Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's an incredible privilege to ministering. If you're a dad this morning, won't you stand for us? Um, if you're a dad. No, you know you're not a dad. Here we go. If you're a dad, won't you stand if you're up at the top there? We've got some bar ones we'd love to give you because we know you need the energy. We know you need it. You can eat it now. You can eat it slowly, fast, however you like. And I um, real, really just want to honor the dads in our midst. And uh, I, trust, I trust to the dads who are standing, I trust you realize the incredible privilege. And if I can give you one charge, if I can just have your attention, if I can give you one charge, don't be an average dad. Is that all right? Don't be an average dad. You can, you can honestly rather be an average golfer. <laughs> rather be an average employer. Employee. Rather be average at anything else. But don't settle to be an average dad. Because we don't have an average father. And because we don't have an average father, he means that we can rise above. And we can step into more. And we can target and go for something different. Where we can, the test me of our kids. You see, it's, it's easy to get a test me out of a five-year-old. To be honest. I love that. But I want that little boy to say the same things when he's 60. About his dad. That he read him the Bible, that he showed him things. That he wasn't an average father. And I know you want the same. So let's put something inside of us this morning. Not, let's not be average dads. And can we just honor these amazing men in our midst? And uh, we're going we're gonna to do something a little different. If you're a granddad, can you keep standing? If you're a granddad. We've got a few granddads in us. So we've we got a little... There we go. This is a game there. So, so we got, I've got a little extra. I'm not 60, as my son might have told you there, so I don't have grandchildren yet. I hope to have grandchildren by 60, but yeah, no. There we, have you not got a Bowen? Can we get this man a Bowen? A what? A bigger Bowen. Give him another one. Look at him. He's, and, uh, and if you've got more, less than one, yeah, you, that kind of less than one grandchild. Let's go with less than three grandchildren. Will you, will you be seated for us this morning? Oh, oh, there's a standoff. If you've got less than five, will you be seated, please? What are we talking here, guys? I need some help. If you've got less than six, will you be seated? Oh, we got two, we got two, so we got three still standing. If you, oh, two standing. If we got less than seven, will you be seated? Oh, we got another entry there. We got, <laughs> we have, if you've got less than eight, will you be seated? Whoa, less than nine. Oh, you got nine. There we go. <laughs> we have, why not? Will you deliver the medal, please? We have a medal for you, Ghet. <laughs> 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 
And then we got these very special, it's, it's a very short little thing, so if you can't get it over here. Very special gold medals, solid gold. And um, just want to take a moment to honor, is, is Gunther here this morning? I don't think I saw him. Not yet. Okay, I want to just honor one or two others. Fathers come in many shapes, sizes, uh, natures, um, characters, everything. And, um, and, and uh, I, I want to honor a man this morning named Wayne. Because uh, yesterday I, I went to um, Site 5 and I got to see lots of little children. Who five years ago, a couple named Wayne and Jen decided to go into Danoon, maybe longer now. Because in their hearts birth, birthed and beat a beat of a father to go and love children. And I got the privilege of stepping into a space that someone else created. Someone else opened up because a father's heart beats. And then this year, this amazing man with his wife took in a nephew of theirs named Lee. And I've just seen them pour and pour and pour love. And so this, my buddy, is for you on Father's Day. There we go. And one more, a little bit something different. We, um, we, we, we live in a world where fathers go off to work and, and mothers stay home and look after kids. And um, watch one of my mates sitting over here. He also goes off to work, but he also has to look after the kids because Maria's got an amazing job in the corporate space. And I've watched him plow and I've watched him make meals in the evenings, doing homework, running school runs, and then run off to the corporate world to go and do work in between. And Rion, my buddy, we're proud of you. And uh, the last one's for you. Well, I suppose on Father's Day, it's the right time to tell you that we've had a big week as a family. And uh, we have an announcement that we have adopted an 18-month-old. And it's been a big process. And um, lots of prayer and lots of dealing with foster parents and adoption agencies. And he's a little naughty. He loves our boys. And he's another boy he's brought into the family. And um, so we're really excited. And his name is Pilot. And, um, and maybe we could have the slide up. We're really missing that slide right now. <laughs> Pilot is a black Labrador. And uh, if we could have the slide now. Now. Everyone with me say, now. Okay. Pilot will appear soon. He is real, I promise you. And uh, we, we are absolutely loving it. And um, we have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and now a one-year-old in the home. And he is just like a one-year-old. So we're enjoying it. Really enjoyed the week. As even in the build-up to this day, I've been thinking lots about Father's Day. Had the privilege of having a meal with my family. There we go. That's him. He's a beauty. And, um, and uh, had a meal with my family on Friday night around the table. We try to do that as often as we can. And we ended up just sitting there for probably an hour and a half playing Ching Chong Cha and the silent game. I don't know, that's an easy one to win with my kids. Um, and uh, the staring game where you stare and you're not allowed to smile. Again, an easy one to win with my kids. But just an amazing moment. And I, I was reminded of the unbelievable privilege of parenting. It's an unbelievable pr privilege. And I want to tell you, in our world, it's becoming a less and less celebrated privilege. Please, can we hold on to God's design? And God's nature and character as God is Father. We are in this series. God is. 
and it's exposing our hearts and it's dealing with a whole bunch of things. We, we live with too much Christian mysticism and myth, honestly, and superstition. Someone said, someone said, someone quoted on Facebook, and God is calling us to be a people who know who God is, who know who God is. I, um, I wanted to share this a little bit later, but I want to share it now, that our God is a self-disclosing God. I'm not preaching about that today, but Jeremiah 29 God's speaking, he says, then you call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. God is a self-disclosing God. He's not hiding away. We are the ones, and you see it in the Garden of Eden. We are the ones who when we fall, we fall back, we go and hide. And he comes looking. And somehow we've said that God is this God hiding away, playing hide and seek with us. He's not. And I trust in this series and as you engage the word, you realize that God wants to reveal himself to you. Not to the preacher. Not to the Sunday school teacher. To you. But this morning he wants to reveal himself as God is Father. And I'd like to call it God as Father, but say that I'm, I'm sharing what my fathers taught me about the Father. Had the unbelievable privilege of having an, an amazing earthly father named Abraham Karl Greilung van Pletzen. He is 77 with pitch black hair, still, strong as an ox. And I'll tell you a little bit more about him later, but then I've also had the privilege of being in the church for about 28 years. I was in one church for 20 years. I've got a number of spiritual fathers who've been very kind to me, very good with me, very strong with me sometimes. And one of them that I will highlight is Rory Day. You've heard his name many times this morning. I'd like to share this morning what my father's taught me about the father. There's a guy named David Bleckenhorn. He's the founder and president of the Institute of American Values. And he says this, Every day, about 40% of children in the Western world will go to sleep in homes which their fathers do not live. Before they reach the age of 18, more than half of our nation's children are likely to spend at least a significant portion of their childhoods living apart from their fathers. Never before have so many children been voluntarily abandoned by their fathers. Never before have so many children grown up without knowing what it means to have a father. Fatherlessness is the most harmful demographic trend of the, this generation. It is the leading cause of declining child, declining child and adult well-being in our society. It is also the engine driving our most urgent social problems. If this trend continues, fatherlessness is likely to create the shape of our society. And there's a whole bunch of statistics backing this up. And it states that individuals raised in a father-absent environment demonstrate these characteristics. Slide number three, five times the average suicide rate. Dramatically increased rates of depression and anxiety. 32 times the average rate of incarceration. Decreased education levels and increased dropout rates. Consistently lower average incomes lower job security, increased rates of divorce and relationship issues, substantially increased rates of substance abuse, and increase in social and mental behavior issues. Please, if you are a father and you are distant from your children, don't leave this place condemned. Leave this place realizing who that father is. Find your identity in the father this morning. But we can't negate the facts. These are facts. So the world in which we live in and Jesus made a big issue of the Father. Jesus said in John 14, he said, he said, 
If you really want to know me, you will know the Father as well. For from now on, you do not know him and I've seen him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He came to reveal the Father. He came not just to reveal the truth, but also the way. And Philip cries out. He says, Lord, show me the Father and that will be enough for me. It's enough for us just to see the Father. So the other couple of weeks ago, we spoke about God as Trinity and the beauty of the individual persons of the Trinity. Matthew 28, we get called and pulled into the Great Commission. It's not a new Old Testament law. It's a New Testament life-giving commission. If you don't know what your life's about, pick this one. And I promise you will find life. You will find joy. You will find power for the story. But this mission comes and Jesus speaks and he commands us. He's not giving us a clue. He's not encouraging us. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not just some rhetoric we say. What else are we going to say? Well, Jesus said, say this. When we baptize people. No, we baptize them in the name. And the problem is we leave it in water. We baptize in water. Now that's obedience. That's beautiful. But there is the promise and there is the command to take people, the broken, the lost, you and me who arrived in those conditions, and to not just baptize them in water and hope that they meet the Father one day and that they got the ticket, they'll meet Him in heaven anyway. But to take them and to love them and to baptize them in the Father, in His character, in His nation, in, in His nature, in His essence, in His ways. To baptize them in the Father. The challenge of being a father, is that's a big part of my job. I get to reveal something of the father to my kids. Remember sitting when Judah was born, you know the story, we struggled a bit to fall pregnant, and then this little bundle of joy named Judah came. And every night I'd sit there. I have hundreds of photos, taking photos of him while he's sleeping. I was just amazed. But in truth, I was just overwhelmed. Saying, God, how do I do this? In a world that's going to influence him. In the world that's shouting all these things at him. How do I do this? And he reminds us, it's not in our strength. I'm a father because he is a father. I have the ability because he gave us the ability. And he calls us to baptize all the world. My number one disciples. Make disciples my wife and my kids. Encouragement for fathers, number one, on Father's Day. Baptize your families in the Father. Baptize your families in the Son. Baptize your families in the Spirit. It's a mandate. It's not an option. I'm going to leave that to the pastors. My job is to make sure they get to church. And we have fathers who drive families to church, drop them at the front door and duck. And I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you, you are skipping out of a godly mandate. And there will be a judge one day. It's a high call. It's a big call. It's a mandate. 52 million kids in the USA are without a father. In South Africa, only 33% of children live with both their parents. 33%, one of every three from the remaining 67%, 39% live with their mothers, another third with their mothers, only 4% with their fathers. 
8% with other family members, 0.5% of child-headed households, and the remaining 15.5% live in care homes or with non-biological parents. So when I say baptized into the Father, what are the things that come up inside of you? If we were honest in this room, according to those stats, if I said to you, put your hand up if your father was absent. Put your hand up if your father was inconsistent. Put your hand up if your father was harsh. Luke, keep your hand down. Your father's next to you. Just, it's okay. Just down. But in truth, if we were honest enough, Hands would go up everywhere. This is what a student from Stellenbosch wrote. When you demonstrate a passionate willingness to engage in our conception and then simply flee when your sexual acts produce another being, are you proud of yourself? Do you understand the physical pain that our mothers endured during conception and the emotional void that your actions caused? When your colleagues, documents, and money become your new family, do you realize the psychological effect that it has on us? Do you realize that placing your desire for power and wealth above your family, you will achieve your goals, but there will be no one to rejoice with you? And she quotes Daniel Beatty, says, Yes, we are our father's sons and daughters, but we are not their choices. For despite their absences, we are still here, still alive, still breathing with the power to change this world, one little boy or girl at a time. Can we pray for a second? Everlasting Father, consistent, powerful, committed, content in yourself. I pray this morning you would allow us to see you as Father. Not just Savior, we love Savior. Not just Empowerer and Counselor, we love your Holy Spirit. But as Father, we would see the Father today. By your grace, Lord. Amen. Ephesians 1, the apostle is writing to this amazing church. And he says this incredible, he prays this incredible prayer in verse 7. He says, I keep, I keep asking. It's important. I keep asking. I don't know about you, but when something's important, you keep going for it. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Keep asking. The glorious Father. I don't know about you, but if I asked anyone here, is there anyone here who would naturally describe your earthly father as glorious? Anyone? The glorious Father. And He's calling us. The Apostle's calling the church of Ephesus and He's calling us into a story to know Him. And yet we settle for principles, we settle for ritual, we settle for religion. And he's saying, I'm not calling you to that, I'm calling you to know him. It's a huge privilege. Most people struggle with rejection. If 10 years in the ministry and 10 years of counseling is anything to go on, most people, at the root of most brokenness, at the root of most is this issue of rejection. Confession time for me. I really cry a lot at Britain's Got Talent or America's Got Talent. I just do. Because those judges sit there and you see people. I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the guys who come out in like the dancing dinosaur outfit and they went in for a joke. I, it's the people who go in there and, and you can see there's just all sorts of things in them and dreams and desires and these judges go, Wah. 
Ah! What about the guys who don't know? They're actually brilliant. And someone forced them to come, and they arrive, and they sing, and the crowd starts shouting their name and screaming and clapping, and they're going, I didn't know. Colossians 1 says this, being strengthened with all power, us, according to his glorious might, so that you may have full endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in this light. Here's the Bible truth. He has qualified you. You are qualified. We live in a world that keeps going, bah, you're not qualified. You're not qualified to be a dad. You're not qualified to be a mom. You're not qualified to play in that league. There's a major golf tournament on in the world right now. And what we don't know is there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have worked hard to be there and they choose a very select, small, qualified field. That's the world we live in. But that's not the Father we serve. It's not the one we worship. He has qualified us. He has qualified you. You've heard me tell the story before, some of you. But I went to a wedding in the Midlands. We were up there on a Thursday night. Jenny was with us. She wasn't with us, but she was probably there. And, and, um, and on the Thursday night, Stan phoned me and said, Buddy, the wedding's off. Mark Slaughter, your friend, has run from the altar. No jokes. That same weekend, a year later, I'm at the wedding. It's the same couple. I'm at the front playing guitar, honky-tonky-tonk. And Mark goes white because he doesn't feel qualified. Because he comes from brokenness after brokenness. Because his dad failed him and his mom failed him and he's failed every relationship and he's stolen woman's sexuality all over. And he gets to marry this beautiful bride, a virgin. And his, his qualification fails on a normal standard. And he's standing at the front and I'm there. He says to Rory, I can't do this. I can't do this. And he's sweating. And so Rory says, everyone, please close your eyes. And they walk out. And Mel Dyer looks at me and goes, play the guitar. Are you choking? 200 people who were here a year before, living in anxiety, I have to go up and go, and Rory takes him out to the back of the hall and Stan goes with them and the best men go with them and they're trying to convince him they're trying to get him on the story and then the father-in-law stands up and everyone goes ooh this might not end well father's name is Lex Stewart the bride's father he walks out the hall. Everyone's going, <gasps> awkward. He walks straight out, pushes Rory aside, grabs Mark's bald forehead, kisses him on his forehead and says, today you become my son. And in an instant, every disqualification lie, in an instant, every bit of brokenness, in an instant, the father's love breaks upon that man. They are now married years later, probably 10 years later, with five kids. And he's an unbelievable father and an unbelievable husband. And now, leading in a church. Because we struggle to understand what Colossians tells us, that you are qualified. I don't care what brokenness you came to him with. I don't care what you've done. Colossians tells us, you are qualified. See, my dad's story, Abram Karl Freiland von Pletzen. <laughs> 
His grandparents both died alcoholics. His mother and his father separated at a young age. Both died alcoholics. He grew up in Dundee High School in the boarding school. He wouldn't go out on holidays unless friends' parents would take him out with them. Let me tell you my story. I grew up with a father who was always there. On the side of every sports field. I grew up with a father who took us on holidays. Who prioritized his family over his entrepreneurial business. What happened in the middle? When I was three years old, my father met Jesus. When I was five years old, my parents started going to Bible school with four kids at home. And they found Jesus. They dug into the word and they discovered that Jesus qualifies me. They discovered that Jesus takes me to the Father. And because of that Father, not these earthly fathers, it can change. I cannot stay, and I sit with people 30 years after walking with the Lord, and they still tell me how bad the earthly father is. And I want to tell you, take your eyes off that man. Forgive him. Free him. And you know what the Bible says? Honor him. And fix your eyes on the heavenly father. The good father. So my first point is this. It's not about your earthly DNA. It's about your heavenly DNA. John 1 verse 12 says, Yet to all who did not receive him, to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Have you sat with a lady who sits in front of you, her life destroyed, because she knows that her mother fell pregnant as a prostitute? And everything inside of her is telling us, You are a mistake. I have. It's devastating. And all I can say is you are not born of natural resource. You are born of a heavenly source. You have a heavenly father. Have you sat with people whose mother told them, I tried to abort you and the abortion failed? What else do we say? What else can we say? That you are not children born of natural descent. Will you allow that truth? Not my passion, my desire to be a good dad. Will you allow that truth to settle on you? Maybe your father is absent and given you every reason to even hate Father's Day. Some people won't come to church today because it's Father's Day. You know that? I'm telling you, I've asked. I sat praying for a group of young guys in our church the other day. And I was just thinking about them. And as I thought about everyone, I realized in all six of the guys I was praying for, there is an absent father, a distant father, or an inconsistent father, natural earthly father, every one of them. I'm going, wow, God, could we as the church represent you well that they could see you? Because if they're looking to me, I'm probably going to drop the ball. If they're looking to us, we're probably going to drop the ball. But if they could see you, the good, good father, the world can change. My second point is this. And Rory taught me this. From Mark chapter 1. Jesus is there. It's verse 9. At the time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. 
Just as Jesus was coming out the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Second point is this. It's about my position in him. Not my performance. Some of us are trying so hard because the world is shouting, try harder. Some of us are trying so hard because a father once came to you next to the sports field and said, you're not trying hard enough. I have a tragic memory of being in a car with a friend who him and I had messed up. We were 19 years old in hol- on holiday with his parents in Cape Town. And we went out and we jawed a little too long to realize that the trains had stopped. So we had to phone his parents at 2 o'clock in the morning. And it's needless to say his dad wasn't happy. Yes, your pastor. Some of you are still struggling with that. Yes. It's okay. Everyone breathe. But I sat in the backseat of this car as this father tore strip after strip after strip of this mate of mine. And then says to him, can't you just be like Mark? Uh, Me? I was the one who convinced him to stay longer. (laughs) Can't you just be like Mark? We don't know what our words do. I want to give you understanding of our words and a lesson from my mother. It was three years after my parents had been liquidated. They lost everything. My father had made a business decision that ended in chaos. And three years after the liquidation and the taking of everything, I flew down to Cape Town just to see my dad. I had to see my dad. We went out. And all those years, I'd never seen him cry. And um, I took him out to dinner, and he began to cry. And I said, what's going on, Dad? He said, I've got to tell you, boy, in three years, not in a joke, not in a fight, not in a side-angled manipulation, in nothing has your mom ever blamed me for what happened. He said, actually, in truth, I want her to blame me. I want her to say it. But I don't even believe she thinks that. See, because behind the scenes of the woman for 18 years who's got up at quarter past five every morning and read the Bible about actually, we don't stand on any pulpits. We don't stand on any high ground. Every one of us come on low ground and he lifts us up. Challenges, it happens in the church. Businessmen in the church, I've got to do more, I've got to be more. In the church, I've got to become more, I've got to 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 lead this, I've got to stand out in this way, I've got to, and it's brokenness and it's legalism that leads to chaos. Understand this, it's only because of Jesus, and only because of Jesus, and yes, only because of Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing else. It's only because of Jesus. And the Father says, this is my Son, whom I love. Whom I love, affection. With whom I'm well pleased. What had Jesus done by now? Nothing. Made a few chairs and tables. No miracles. No big stories, nothing. With this, I'm well pleased. Point number three is we get a new story. 1 Peter 1 verse 1, verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold 
that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. And yet we live with the weight of the chaos hampered down. And I've sat with some of you, and you've told me your stories. Stories of rape. Stories of abuse. Stories of absent fathers. And I'm asking you, will you allow the word of God that says you don't have a story handed down from any man. You're called to honor. You're called to love. But you have a story handed down from your heavenly father. It's a new story. And on the cross hung a man who redefined who I am. And those words echo inside of my soul. And every time I'm feeling like a broken little boy, he redefines me in his love. I want to say even some have had amazing fathers on this earth. Understand, there is a glorious father to discover, to walk in relationship with. I want to say this. That scripture about Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit coming on him. It says, and a voice from heaven spoke. What, I don't want to misquote it. It said, and a voice came from heaven. The problem, when we don't see God the Father and things get in the way, performance, identity, you know what happens? We can't hear the voice from heaven. And all we hear are the voices from earth. And maybe there's some good ones, like Bert LeClaw for Chad. Go by! And maybe he'll win an Olympic medal again because of it. What about Oscar Pistorius, whose psychologist, and I quote, said his father was irresponsible and mostly absent. He didn't even go to one court appearance. Maybe that voice is still shouting in that young man's head. What about Tiger Woods, who idolized his father? And yet his father had multiple affairs along the way. Is it surprising? I'm not judging this guy. I'm just, what about Alex Ferguson, the most successful coach of all time, who says, if, if my father could have just have seen my success. Because in his early days of coaching and his arrogance, he fell out of relationship with his father. If he could just have seen my success. And we are driven by these earthly voices. And I love my father's voice. And every time I speak to my father on the earth, on earth, He's still on earth. He'll tell me he loves me, and I tell him I love him. And it's a little awkward sometimes, but we do it. Because there are voices, and then there is the voice. What voices are you listening to? Magazines about, are you or aren't you beautiful? Newspapers about, are you or aren't you successful? Fathers on this earth, fathers, let your voice boom encouragement and affirmation over your children. Don't say one day when they understand. Don't wait for a moment when. You might not have another moment. Boom it over them. Tell them every day, tell them all day. Let them be little carriers who go out there and say, I love you, I love you. Because they are so secure in the fact that they are loved. I want to go to point number four. We are no longer slaves and survivors. We are sons. And you know this and you've heard it, but I'm going to tell you again. 
And the very first thing Jesus goes through and he gets anointed says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. He gets taken out into the desert and tempted. And the enemy comes and his first tempting is, if you are the son of God. And the very first temptation and the very first attack of the enemy is what? Identity. In my sonship or daughtership of the living God. The fact that am I a son of God? And Jesus goes, it is written. What will you say? It is written. Will you say, my name is written in the land's book of life. My name is written. It is written that I am loved. It is written that I am sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It is written that I am a son of God and my lineage of not of this earth. It's of a heavenly DNA. It is written. But you know what? To know that, you've got to know what is written. I, I know, maybe some of you feel like, stop telling us to read the Bible, Mark. I won't. And I won't apologize for doing it either. Because I'm telling you, we don't grow up. We don't get mature and we don't get strong and we cannot stand the storms. If this is not written on my heart, Jesus says, it is written. And Ephesians, he pours over us. that I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Oh, it's all falling apart. Are you saved? Are you loved by God? Then know this. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Oh, Mark, you don't know what's going on in my world. No, I don't. And I know that there's a man who's sitting here who lost his father in the last week. And I know there's someone else whose father won't speak to them right now. But there is a father who has blessed. I want to make one more statement around the father so that he reveals us. Hebrews 12 says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Not my words, the Bible. Not a discipline of man, a discipline of a father. And yet we live in a world who kicks out of discipline because our father's disciplined because they were embarrassed by our behavior. Your father in heaven is not embarrassed by your behavior. Your father in heaven is not embarrassed by your sin. He just loves you so much. He will discipline you for your future, for your identity. And I'm disciplining my kids in the ways of this dog that has arrived at our house. I have not picked up one. Not one. And I watched little Ben the other day go, and I intentionally didn't buy a poop scoop because I wanted them to really get into this. So it's the packet technique, packet on this hand, packet. And he's, he's like this, oop! <laughs> but you know what? We live in a world of, of, of sex without strings and intimacy without strings. He loves that dog. He must learn to look after that dog. It's a bad example. <laughs> it's a really bad example. I apologize. We're not even going to go there. Fathers on this earth, don't discipline your kids because you're embarrassed by their behavior. God's not embarrassed by our behavior. He knows we're going to slip. He knows we're going to fall. He knows we're going to make mistakes. He's not surprised. And when he disciplines us, 
He loves us. Because the Bible says, if you aren't disciplined, you aren't loved. You are illegitimate. I'm not an illegitimate son of the Heavenly Father. I'm a son, which means there will be times that he will discipline because he loves me. A loving father disciplines his son. And the last point, and the promise, is that the Father in heaven is generous. And this is a whole preach on its own. When I was young, seven, eight, nine years old, my parents owned a residential hotel. hundred people would live there and three meals a day and all of that. If we can just have that video ready, please tell us. And I had the amazing privilege of being the kid. Uh, we formed like this gang that would run around the hotel. All the kids that lived there. And I loved it. But there was one place only I could go. It was the kitchen. The other kids, they had to wait outside. Because my dad owned the hotel. And I could go up to the chef and say, I want the skin off that custard, the top thing. If you don't know what that is, you're not old enough to know what it is. <laughs> but the skin on the top of custard was like my thing. And I wanted to take my friends, but I couldn't. Because only I could go in there. And I want to tell you about the father who says he has the storehouses of heaven. And only his sons and his daughters can go in there. But they can go in as much as they want. They can go in whenever they want. Because he is generous. Because he is loving. Because he is faithful. Because he is father. I want to show us a video. And I'll ask you to open up your hearts. It's three minutes long. And some of you might have seen it, but it's a picture of Derek Redman in the Olympics about 18, 20 years ago. He'd run the Olympics the year before he'd, got, he'd had an injury, he, and he was primed for his final Olympics. He was in the prime of his life. He'd won every race. And even if you've seen this, I trust God is going to minister to your heart. But he, he was in the prime. He was in the fifth lane. He'd won. He was up in the lead. He was expected to win the 400 meters. And then something happens. He tears his hamstring. And a man bolts. And I'm telling the story intentionally so you have the context. A man runs. He pushes past the security guard. It's not just a man. It's his father. And why this story? Because some of you here, and myself included, have torn hamstrings. And it stopped us running a race. Like parenting. It stopped us running the race. It stopped us from finishing the race. And I think this is an unbelievable picture of the Father in heaven. Can we watch a video, please? Sometimes the journey makes you weary Feels like a long and winding road Sometimes this life To find some hope Maybe you're wondering where love is You may feel it's far away from here Maybe you're wondering 
surprised to find I'm near And when your life is tossed and turning And you are on the raging sea I'll come and pull you from the water Then you will know that you close our eyes please ten days time have the privilege of going on holiday with my boys and I know what the words that I'll hear the most will be they won't be can I play with the iPad which is pretty popular at home they won't be can I have yogurt? They know that they have dad. And there will be these words, watch me dad. Watch me dad. I think inside of every one of us, we are designed for those words. Watch me dad. And the problem is there's a whole bunch of filters in the way that stop us realizing that there is a father whose eyes never stop watching. Maybe you've pulled the hamstrings in your life. Maybe you are the absent father. Maybe, maybe you've got failed marriages. Maybe your brothers and your sisters were so successful and you just never were that guy. Or maybe you've had it perfect. 
but you can't figure this thing out that God is living. This is what Psalm 121 says. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he watches over you, Israel, will never slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord, the Father, is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Father will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Father will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. We can just move on. This could just be another Sunday. Or we could allow God, the Father, to settle some things. I'm not usually this emotional. But I was preparing very early this morning. And I know some of your stories. And to be honest, there are times I want to come running out like that father. But I look and it's overwhelming. So, And others look and it's overwhelming. So they stay back. Because they don't have the resources. They don't have the ability. But I want to tell you about the father. Who will knit no obstacle. No distraction. Nothing. Let his eye be taken off you. And I want to ask that father to reveal his love to you today. But I can't move you closer to him. If you know that there's some stuff, why don't you stand now? Not for me to see you, but as a sign to your Father to say, Father, I want the fullness. I want the fullness. Will you stand now? If performance is in you, stand now. If your father and your parents and your lineage and your culture is in you and that determines your paths and is the voice that shouts, will you stand now? If your response isn't to think, what will my heavenly father think? But rather, what will my father think? What will this earthly person, what will my boss think? Then I'm telling you, we don't have a full knowledge of the father. And we worship a good father who neither slumbers nor sleeps. See, I sleep. I can't watch my boys 24-7. I just can't. But there is a father who neither slumbers nor sleeps. Will you raise your hands if you're standing? Just to him. See, the Bible says we, we've done nothing. So we didn't earn anything. It says we received the grace. All you can do is receive. The problem is we're not very good at that either. We're not good at receiving the grace. Holy Spirit, will you reveal the Father today? Right now, the voices that echo 
in ears. From 40 years ago, my father said this. I pray right now, will you silence that voice? And father, will you speak? He says, my son, who I love with you, I'm well pleased. He says, my daughter, that rape that happened 30 years ago, that has shouted at you and shouted at you, has no authority over you because you are my daughter whom I love with whom I'm well pleased I've never taken my eye off you never not once come father You're standing for performance. The hands that you work so hard with to perform for your wife, to perform for your boss, to perform for your father. Maybe like Alex Ferguson, he's passed on, and yet you're still performing for that voice. Will you hold those hands out now? Will you just hold them in front of you now? Pray right now, Father. Take that lie and that weight off your children now. Let that weight come off your children now. And Father, will you speak? See, our journey is to be like Jesus. It's not to tick the box of church. It's not to be able to quote scripture. Our journey is to be like Jesus. Jesus.